Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. It's not every day that you have an explosive ordinance disposal officer on the show. Today, my first guest is none other than Bob Pizzini. He is the CEO of iFly Virginia Beach and Evaluate Your Leadership. During his 26-year Navy career, he learned key lessons that have translated seamlessly into the business world, and he's also a real hero. He's a Bronze Star recipient. And Bob, we thank you for your service to the country. In 2018, iFly Virginia Beach was awarded the Chamber of Commerce Small Business of the Year. In 2019, he launched Evaluate Your Leadership, an executive level experience to energize leaders. Bob, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. It's uh, really great to be on your show. I appreciate the opportunity. It is good to have you here today. What well, you know, there's so many lessons that you can give. I mean, both from owning the small business, you know, in terms of a franchise operation. And I know you're very active in your community with a lot of things like kids hockey and so forth, youth, youth hockey. Uh, but let me, let's talk about lessons from the military. What, what did you learn that currently applying to your business right now? Uh, you know, to, to answer that as, as direct as I can, the importance of a team and the structure of a team and how you man the team, how you train the team, how you equip the team, and uh, ultimately how you lead the team. Yeah, Th- those are lessons every day. What, so do you put in a command and control kind of operation? Are you a, a loose operator? Or, I mean, what are you like? I mean, compared to what, you know, yes, sir, no, sir stuff that you had in the military to what you do in the operations today. I mean, I mean, look at your office there. It's very impressive. You look like you're, you look like Trump almost, you know, except <laughs> the, you've got better hair, a lot better hair. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Now the uh, so so you know command and control uh, typically in the military is is a very tightly uh, regulated way of of controlling operations and special operations, which is the community that I served in for 26 years. Right. Uh, command and control is really handed down to the lowest level. It's it's the operators out in the field making the decisions. You know they have the autonomy. Uh, and the authority to make the decisions that they have to make. And, and I've, I've really used that leadership model in my business. I have 40 people on my team, six people in the management team, and everybody uh, is fully aware of their level of responsibility and, and the expectation. You know, I expect a certain level of performance and, uh, and I enable that. I, I, I give them the tools they need to, uh, to meet the expectation. So talk about training because you had extensive training as part of the special ops team. So how can we as business leaders sharpen those skills to become even better leaders? And how do you, how do you use training in the business today and your iFly? We'll talk about the training on Elevate Your Leadership, but let's talk about iFly because I've been through that facility, you know, been, been in the air tunnel. Can you believe it that the air even puts a guy like me up in the air tunnel, like <laughs> indoor skydiving? Nothing. Holy crap. That's a lot. That's a big engine, by the way. That's a huge, what are those engines that you use, by the way? So there's four electric uh, motors and they're 350 horsepower each. So we have a total of 1400 horsepower and, and flying a fellow like you, nothing to it. Our instructors will do it all day long. 
<laughs> well, yeah, and you guys do some impressive stuff. I know you have special ops teams, military teams that are actually, you know, practicing jumps in the tunnels, which is kind of cool. I've actually watched them uh, suit up and they're in their gear just like they would on a, on a, on a mission. And it's just very impressive. And it's got to be a very efficient use of time too, isn't it, Bob? Because they're not doing all that, uh, you know, having to actually fly up into a plane, take take an hour or two, and then jump, and then, uh, boy, that's got to be costly. Yeah, and learning learning the free fall portion of what's called military free fall or a, a military free fall insertion, learning the free fall where you're falling through the air at 120 or so miles per hour, and you're literally flying your body, and there's 30 other people in the sky with you. Uh, you, you have to, it's called flying your slot. You have to be disciplined and, and we're doing it uh, at night, by the way. So you really yeah. have to know where you are, where everybody else is so that, uh, so that the operation goes down safely and, and the objective is met. So, so you know, a, a minute or two of time in the tunnel or what will, you know, it's, it's often called a simulator. F-18 pilots fly simulators and military free fallers come to our facility for simulation. But, but five minutes in the tunnel in, in our system here is the equivalent of probably two or three days out on a drop zone getting the same amount of free fall time. Wow, that's crazy. Let's, let's go back to the training. So what, what, what did you learn from the military training that you put forth in, say, iFly, for instance? Sure. Because, I, I, you know, again, I've been through that facility, and I was so impressed by these young men and women that run that place and who are the instructors. And we're talking about young kids compared to my age, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a high degree of responsibility is, is placed on them, um, but they, they live up to it. We have very high moral and ethical character. But for the training, uh, one of the things that we, we exercise in the military is repetition because these skills, a lot of these high-level special operation skills, military free fall, or in my case, you know, explosive ordnance disposal, cut the red wire, cut the blue wire, these skills are perishable. And so repetition of training is how we maintain an edge. And anything that is important, whether it's in the, the, the skill of, of delivering the experience of flight or, or just honing your skill as a leader, uh, all these skills are perishable and they need to be revisited on a regular basis. Yeah. So you talk about perishable. So and leadership being perishable, what do you say about that? Well, so um, again, j- just like an athlete practices for the game or a musician rehearses for the concert, a leader has to hone their skills, his or her skills, so they can make the right decision in the moment. And, and that takes a very conscious effort. So me, for example, I'll take five or 10 minutes a day minimum and just refresh some, some basics on leadership. Yeah. You know, General Mattis wrote a great book, uh, Call Sign Chaos. And he says uh, over and over in the book, be brilliant at the basics. And I think leaders get away from that. We get caught up in, you know, these, these hundred dollar words and these programs that are out there and, 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 and leadership at the end of the day is not terribly complicated. Now I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm, but I am saying it's not terribly complex. If you've built a foundation and you have, um, you know, you have these perishable skills uh, top of mind. Yeah. So how did you get started with Elevate Your Leadership? Uh, I was looking for leadership training for my team. I have six people in my, in my management team. And what I was looking for was what I grew up with in the military, this kind of 
regimented training, leadership training that happens with, uh, again, regular frequency. And as you advance in rank, the training, uh, you know, the level of leadership training advances as well. And I just could not find what I was looking for for my team. And I still send my team to, you know, we use, we do Franklin Covey and we do Dale Carnegie. I mean, I want to expose my team to, to everything that's out there. But I developed my own training for my team based on what I thought we needed. And of course, I somewhat followed uh, the model of, of the military training that I've received throughout my career and some executive level um, business type training. But uh, I, so I designed it, I delivered it, and people outside my organization saw what I was doing and they said, there is a market for that. And, um, and I really enjoyed doing it, to be honest. So, so I decided to launch Elevate Your Leadership. Well, I tell you what, I want to talk about elevating your leadership in a, a little bit more as we come back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're live casting right here on LinkedIn and on Facebook as we bring you All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network as we bring you um, trending topics and insights on running your business and being more effective in the way in which you run that business. And so we're doing that all right now. We're talking with Bob Pizzini, who's the CEO of iFly Virginia Beach and, of course, the CEO of Elevate Your Leadership. And we're so excited to have him here on the show. And we're talking about elevating your leadership. And why do you think, why do you think elevation is such a good word to use when it comes to leadership? Uh, because because we need to continually advance our skill set. We don't want to get stagnant. You know, you, there's basic training, there's sustainment training, and then there's advanced training. And elevating one's uh, lot, regardless of what it is you do, uh, you, you know, you, you constantly need to be driving ahead. Evolve could be another word, but elevate uh, is really what what I'm doing when I work with people, uh, either in my in my full day. Uh, one day, two day event, coaching capacity, uh, however I deliver it, we're elevating. You know, when, I, when I've been in the air tunnel and I've talked about the air tunnel that you do, the air simulations that, we, that you can do through iFly, you, I, lo- I love that it's about the slightest movement of your hand uh, could be the difference between, you know, falling flat on the floor or, or putting your ass all the way up in the ceiling. I mean, you know, just the little silences, but leadership's like that, isn't it? I mean, that's how you can make some subtle changes into what you do and how you do it, or the team does it. And as a result, you can have some pretty big wins. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Little, little things that seem little at the time can really have a huge impact um, on, on an organization overall. You know, and you look at, look at an aircraft carrier, for example, a one degree rudder order is eventually going to turn that aircraft carrier, you know, 180 degrees or however, however wide they want to make the turn, but it's going to take a while. And, and so these little movements over time can really have a huge impact. Take a whole ocean by the time they're done, right? I mean, that's crazy. What ships did you serve on, by the way? Well, so in special operations, you don't really, you, you know, we're not assigned to ships as ships company. However, uh, my team one of the things that EOD teams are responsible for is ordinance on flight decks on aircraft carriers. So I did do a cruise on the USS Kitty Hawk, which is which is decommissioned, but uh, that was that was homeported out of Japan on the t- uh, at the time, and so we did this kind of South China Sea cruise. Um, in, in EOD teams, like all other special operations teams, we typically 
fly off the vessel and, and go inland and, and do our mission. So that was, and then, uh, you know, I was a salvage diver before I was explosive ordnance disposal. So, so I actually spent two years on a rescue and salvage ship as a, as a U.S. Navy deep sea diver. And the Kitty Hawk, isn't it uh, moored now at, uh, in San Diego? They, they've actually decommissioned the Kitty Hawk. Yep. It was the, yep. last, uh, the last of the conventional as opposed to nuclear, uh, nuclear-powered uh, air, aircraft carriers. So, uh, so the, the George Washington replaced the Kitty Hawk out in Guam. What unbelievable, unbelievable size when you get on top of it. Now the, the, the Kitty Hawk is a small one compared to the new ones. That's right. You, That's right. you know, and then it's amazing. Again, we're going back, uh, you were a presenter at our, our battleship forum, which our leadership forum, which featured some leadership uh, from military, military tested leaders. And we talked about business, a week long event, well over a thousand people attending. It was just fantastic. We were hoping to hold it right there in Virginia beach. We couldn't do that because of all this COVID crap, but <laughs> nonetheless, we, we went forward with it. You know, remember Lieutenant uh, Carrie Lorenz, first female F-14 Tomcat pilot land on the aircraft carrier. She talked about the ships pitching as much as 30 to 40 feet up and down and you've got to land that jet and you're heading into that thing. And it's all of a sudden it's now 30 feet up or 40 feet down. Amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. I've seen it, you know, with my own eyes in real life and it's, it's amazing to watch. You can't believe what you're seeing. Uh, and, and this is at night, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I don't even want to think about it. Uh, it's, it's just scary stuff. But so what do you think is the leadership style that will thrive post COVID? So, you know, there's been a lot of seminars about, you know, leading through the COVID crisis and, and, you know, major disruptor. It's more than a crisis. It's a major disruption as we know. But I think that a leader who's prepared otherwise, who, who has that foundation, who has, you know, who has been brilliant at the basics, you're prepared uh, to lead through this and through other things. But the future of leadership, it, 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 the future of leadership is the same as kind of the past of leadership. You have to be stable. You have to think strategically. You have to think ahead. You know, today's, today is already here and in motion. I'm not thinking about today. I'm thinking about the future and I'm thinking about strategy. So, so, so strategizing one year from now, two years from now, you know, I've redeveloped my forecast, for example, uh, for next year, because I think there's going to be a, a COVID impact on my business that's going to last for at least a year, if not longer. And I think business owners, business leaders, they need to have, uh, they need to have what we call courses of action in the military. So um, in the military for, to, to go on this mission and accomplish this objective, we usually develop three courses of action and then we pro and con, we rehearse it, we game it, and we boil it down to the one recommended course of action. And business leaders need to have that flexibility. They need to think through scenarios that give them two or three different options that, that, that prepare them, that make them ready to go. You know, I don't know when the governor is going to lift the order. And, uh, and, and our governor uh, keeps on saying, well, if we lift it too soon, we're going to be right back to where we started, which I, I, I don't think we'll ever go back to where we were late February, right. early March when it comes to COVID. But, uh, but, you know, again, my answer there, my long answer, but my answer is uh, have courses of action available and have flexibility and be ready to, to, to change, you know, change direction and move out. Yeah. And, and, and a moment's notice and have that flexibility. I'm telling people right now, and of course, 
We're talking live with Bob Pizzini. He's the CEO of iFly Virginia Beach, but also the CEO of Elevate Your Your Leadership um, uh, Coaching and and uh, and Leadership Program. And uh, it, it's interesting. I'm telling people, as you know, because Bob's part of our C-suite network thought council, our most elite group of uh, thought council or thought leaders uh, in the business. And I keep telling people that today. Days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years, meaning we're moving that fast. And you, you talked about that, that, you know, being agile. And I think that relates to that entire kind of new world or new work order that we're in. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day that today's April 78th. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> so. So yeah, time is really crawling along. Yeah, agility is another key word. You know, flex and adapt again. Um, yeah. um, from uh, from General Mattis's book, he talks a lot about flexibility and adaptability. Fortunately for me, that's something I learned very early in my career. Those who can flex and adapt uh, are most likely to have success and and uh, save heartbeats along the way. I've always said it: change, adapt, or die. And right now, I don't want to die. Not only just from COVID, but not from business. And the way the way I keep going, the way I keep feeding myself is to make sure that I take a break and talk to these uh, sponsors. So be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back and we're doing a live cast right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you Bob Pizzini, the CEO of iFly Virginia Beach, and also the CEO of Elevate Your Leadership, Elevate Your Brand. Get yourself up there and take a better course of leadership, and he's got it. He's one of our C-Suite Network Thought Council members, and we're so excited to have him on the show. So I'm all about right now moving with breakneck speed and and really changing what I'm doing and how I'm doing it at a, you know, at a multiple. So how do I build a high performance team and keep them performing at the level throughout any situation? So they're not getting caught up in this, like, Oh, we tried this or that doesn't work or it's on the budget or we should do it this way. You know, how do I do that? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of components to that, but um, you know, to break that, to, to really simplify it, I'll go back to what I said earlier, man, train and equip, right? So in, in the department of defense, we call that title 10, um, uh, federal code, U.S. Code Title 10, uh, directs the military to man the military, train the military, and then equip them properly. So really what you're doing is identifying your mission parameters. You know, what kind of, how many people do I need to do? What kind of people do I need to, to accomplish this mission? What level of training do they need to be uh, properly prepared to accomplish the mission? And then and then I have to provide them the resources they need. And, and I love it when people come up to me and say, uh, you know, I know this thing is expensive, but if we had one of these, we could do things a lot better. You know, I, I, uh, I consider the price last, I, I would say, um, over, you know, versus the importance of what that item or what that tool or what that training is going to enable the, uh, the employee to do. So men train equip. And then, you know, another, another big thing in military operations that I've noticed is a direct tie over in business is what we call uh, the three levels of in the military, it's the three levels of warfare. And what I have uh, come to understand is those same three levels exist in business. So again, at the executive level, we're setting strategy. So the strategic level of warfare is set by the National Command Authority, the, the White House and the Pentagon. You know, they're gonna say, 
uh, military be able to fight and win two wars, things like that. They don't tell you how to do it. They don't operationalize it, but they say, hey, strategically, here's what we need to be prepared to do. So to build a team, um, you have to have a vision or you have to have a broader strategy that gives the team guidance. And then at the operational level, that's where your, your managers, so to speak, come into play. They bridge the guidance, the strategic guidance, uh, to your frontline employees, your customer-facing employees, or in the military, it's, you know, it's the ground forces or the frontline fighters. But your operational level, your VP level, your management level, they bridge that strategic guidance from the C-suite uh, uh, to your, your customer-facing employees, your frontline team. So they operationalize it. They say, hey, the, we, we need to be open seven days a week. Here's how we're going to do it. All right, team, execute. So there's, there's man, train, equip, and then there's understanding um, customer-facing versus management level versus strategic level. If you can kind of compartmentalize your organization like that, it really it gives you as the leader great clarity, but it also gives your team great clarity. They know right where they fit in. Yeah, which is tough. So the other thing is about attitude, you know. So for you, leadership is more than an attitude or aptitude. It's also physical and mental. How do you combine all those elements, Bob? Sure. So um, I, I have a segment that I call the fitness of leadership. And what I have discovered throughout my entire professional life is that being somebody who exercises uh, just about every day, you know, minus injury or certain deployments or certain things, um, there is a huge connection between my brain and heart health, my energy level, and the exercise that I, that I uh, do on a regular basis. And that's not my discovery. This is proven science and it's been around for a long time, but, but leaders really have to be well-rested, well-hydrated, well-nourished. They have to exercise on a regular basis uh, and, and that, that will help nurture brain and heart health. And then there's the element of lifelong learning. Without question. And that's, that's one of the things I've taken away from you is my break fast. You, you taught me that. So when I get up the first thing in the morning before I do anything is I, I drink my water. So I even like to flavor mine a little bit. I just put a little flavor in mine to drink it. Yes. But you know what? When the more water I drink, the better I feel. I, it's always the case. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Most people uh, walk around in a state of dehydration and totally. eat and and most people don't know how much, how much uh, fluid, how much liquid they should consume on a daily basis. And, and hydration is any non-alcoholic beverage. But they don't know how much they should consume on a daily basis. And I know how much I should consume. I should drink 100 ounces every day. And even though I know that, uh, I don't always achieve that. So, so we really do walk around in the state of dehydration, which can lead to, from a leadership perspective, you know, that can be one symptom that can, can uh, affect a leader's ability to flex, adapt, and, and make good decisions. Well, Bob, it's been a pleasure to have you again. Thank you again for your service to this country. Thanks again for all you do to help leaders as well, because you, you are a leader, and it's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege. It's good to have you here. It's good to have you as part of the C-Suite Network Thought Council, but uh, especially to have you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. At the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned, and I've got a great guest coming up right after this, Tracy Brown, who's a fraud-busting language expert. We're going to talk about liars and cheaters, okay? And um, 
But before we get to that, I want to talk about what I learned with Bob Pazzini and all that he had to give us in terms of wisdom. And I was around that Title 10 comment that he made, which was man, train, and equip. That's what we have to do. We have to man, train, and equip. That's what we do. We man up. We get the stuff. Now, when we talk about man up, I'm not talking about being a man. I'm talking about that we get our, our, our team in place. So that's what he means by the word man, right? And then we got to train them, and then we got to equip them. That's it. That's, a, that's the fundamentals things that they need to do. And I love this three levels of warfare, strategic, optimization, and then, of course, executing. I thought those were the real lessons learned today. Hey, fraud is everywhere. It's rampant every single day. But with COVID, the fraudsters are hard at work trying to steal your money and your identity. Cyber criminals are diversifying their targets and supply chain attacks are up by 78% according to security reports. And I'm telling you, my guest today is a real expert. We're talking about Tracy Brown, the fraud busting body language expert, and she'll give us some useful tips on how to protect ourselves. I mean, we talk about Stormy Daniels and Trump, and at the end of the show, she gives a prediction, is Biden lying? Is Biden lying? It's a real simple question. Ooh, you got to listen all the way to the end. It's exciting. I'm telling you. So we're going to learn some useful tips on how to protect ourselves, how to spot a scam. And she's going to share with us some secrets of exactly how to tell whose pants are on fire. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Tracy, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always great to get to chat with you. It is. You know, in today's apropos, guess what I get in my mail this morning? I get an email from a woman who says, Mr. Hazel, you've been scammed. And she writes to me today. This is today. Okay. She's from Belgium. Somebody she fell in love with. She lost her husband to cancer. Young, attractive, good-looking woman. She sees my pictures. She on Tinder. I'm Hendrick something. I don't know what my name is. I'll have to go look. And then he 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 worked with her and he groomed her and he did all the stuff he did. And he and then he boom, he hit her for 25,000 euros. And when she wouldn't do it, he dropped her like a hot potato and got really ticked off at her. And then she found him as a different name like two days later. Oh boy. You know? Well, you know, um, these ladies, they're only human. And look at you. I mean, who would well, say I, yes I mean, to exactly. like you? Right. Not, but, but not just ladies. I get the men, too, of course. Ooh, I'm, yeah, well, yeah you got, you I'm, I'm an choices. equal opportunity, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, I'm tender and grinder. I'm on both. I'm on oh, both. yeah, yeah. Not me personally, though. No, I know. Let me tell you. you know what? And what you know what really pisses me off is that these, these scuzzballs actually use pictures of my wife and say she's dead. And oh. they use pictures of my my uh, my daughter and pictures of my daughter-in-law. They use and say that's my daughter, and then they say these grandkids are either my babies or my grandchildren. I mean, they they actually you know how they got my public pictures. Oh, man, oh yeah. So my my producer says I'm my name is Henrik Bjorn. Henrik Bjorn. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you look like a Henrik. Ass. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, what an cool. ass. I, I actually talked to some people at TransUnion who are working with a lot of online dating companies to stop people like that from even being able to get uh, to log in because they're doing uh, device behavior and noticing oh. how how people are doing that. So that is that is uh, coming uh, more and more as as we go because it turns out online dating fraud is actually the number one kind of fraud that's going on right now. 
Oh, I, without question. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even imagine people who are that lonely. Well, you know, not that lonely, but they're, they're trying to make connections because these are great sites typically because they help you sort through the crap and get right to the right kinds of people that are, you know, based mm-hmm. on your personality or by what you want to see, how you want to be able to live your life interest and so forth. Without question, I think it's more effective than hanging out at the bars, you know, oh, totally. more effective than yeah. going to other places. Hey, how did you get started? reading body language and spotting liars. Oh, well, I, um, it's a long story. I started reading body language without knowing it. I used to be a professional bike racer and I would, uh, I was never the strongest one there. So I I would look for tiny little signs from my competition to understand what they were going to do next. And I actually kept a journal of everyone in the country who uh, was important because we do the same things every time. It doesn't matter if you're on a bike or if right. you're in the office or, or with your family, like we all have habits that, that we go on. And I kept track of everyone. And, um, and I would go through my notes before the race. I knew who was there. And that's how I started to, to win. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I refined my skills in a, in a clinical setting because uh, I'm, uh, I'm a hypnotist and, and I worked as a therapist for a, a long time. And it's funny how many people will come into therapy and lie to you, but they do. Um, and I, I've heard it all. And then I, why would they, why would they pay? Why would they pay you and then come and lie about it? It's embarrassing stuff. They don't want to admit they want to skirt around the edges of the truth to see if they can get some results. Right. So man, if uh, I'm going to a therapist, I want to get my money's worth. I want to get it over with. I want to get it out. Give me a, I would prefer to get a pill for it, but you know, you can't get pills for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I would bust people there. And then um, I ended up training with um, alongside the FBI and Green Berets and police, like our top law enforcement in deception and interrogation training and that kind of thing. So I've taken those skills into business with with my speaking, because that's what I do now is I teach people how to spot lies, fraud and identity theft that's hidden in plain sight. It's right across from you because, you know, we're all scared about cyber fraud and all this stuff. And and that and that's true. And, and you should be. And it's the thing is with the media is that it's sexy and it's yeah. terrifying. And so they gravitate towards that. But I tell you, most fraud is is internal in companies happening right under your nose. And so that's that's my department of specialty. Well, let's talk about that. But, you know, cause the, just this weekend, I was watching a video of a friend of mine who actually had $20 million stolen from his account. Twenty million gone, and of course they caught the guy. But no, but the money's—it's out there. He's never got the money back. You know, so twenty million dollars—that's a million. That's an M. So that took it, converted it. It Was you know Bitcoin stuff, but nonetheless, it's real money. It was real money for this guy. I mean, how do how do you? What are the main signs that someone's lying? Well, you got to look for people's baseline, right? So we work with these people, especially internally, or maybe they're a client, maybe they're a vendor, right? But you kind of know how people behave all the time. And and if you're not paying attention, because that's that's the, the catch here is most of us are paying so much attention to ourselves. We're not paying attention to what's going on outside of us. And so uh, the best thing to do is just kind of notice how people behave. Everyone has yeah. their own patterns. And when that starts to shift around pertinent questions, that's when you could have a liar on your hands. So what would that look like? Well, um, People have a certain uh, pattern of speech, right? They have a certain pace of speech. They have a certain demeanor. And if that shifts, when you say, hey, what happened to the petty cash? 
all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. This is where yeah. you need to dig deep because they'll, they'll show you those, those shifts. It's called a shift in baseline. And if it happens fast and if you ignore it, you've destroyed the opportunity that you've created to ask deeper questions and get them more in a hole, more on cognitive overload, right? So that it, things really start to un, unravel for them uh, with their body yeah, language, so with their when you, Yeah, you start asking and you start squirming about it, but, or, you know, like, now wait, I thought you said this and you keep narrowing down on those pieces. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of ways to do it. Hey, listen, I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and ask you, how do I do this with a remote workforce? I mean, it's one thing to do it when you're right there with me mm-hmm. and I can see it and I can see you sweating or squirming. But what about when you're on a Zoom camera or, you know, on Microsoft Teams? How do I do that? Let's take a break and we'll come right back. C-Suite Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back and we're live casting on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks for all of you that are watching right now as we tape a live session of our C-Suite Radio show, our podcast, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And we have Tracy Brown with us. She's the fraud-busting language expert, and we're so glad to have her here because we're talking about people who lie. And right before the break, I was asking her about how do I do, how do I tell when someone's lying in a remote workforce? Are there any subtleties that I should be looking for? Well, one of the easiest things is to is to make sure that you're asking people to uh, you got two kinds of questions. One is a yes or no question. Yep. Do you know what happened to the money in this account? Yes. It's a really simple question, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. You you know, but other yeah. people uh they may know yeah. a little bit more if that account has been drained, right? So yeah. just know for and this is for American people, when you nod your head that yeah, this means yes. Yeah. And this means no. Right? right. And the body can't lie. So if someone says, I don't know. Yeah. Do you see how oh, I love, see she's shaking her head. She yeah. said, I don't know. And she's shaking her head up and down. Because we're on a podcast, oh, Tracy. Right, right. I gotta make sure I gotta make sure that they know what you're talking about. Of course, if you're from India, you know, this is yes. Yeah, I'm shaking my head side to side. You know, it's so it's so hard sometimes to know those subtleties with different also with just different uh, you know, nationalities, ethnic oh, backgrounds yeah. and so forth. Yeah, so for you sure. have to look for that. So you, you would recommend then as a language expert, as a fraud busting language expert, that I really want to have a lot more video going on with people. What about, yeah. what about subtle things like, are you working from home the way you should be? Now that's you know? an interesting one because what you want to do is say, hey, what, what'd you do today? Yeah. Right. Did did you go out for a bike ride at lunch that lasted two hours? Right. Or did mm-hmm. you sit on the couch and watch Andy Griffith eating um, thin mints all day? Yeah. And uh, so what you want to do is is go backwards, right? And this is one of the big techniques that's used in interrogation. Say, hey, um, what were you doing at five? Like, t- take me backwards through your day. And what you'll do is you'll because lies, or sorry, the Lies are not connected to a few things. One is time, one is emotions, and um, people have to backfill that in, and mm-hmm. they won't be able to do it. They'll stumble up. They'll stumble up, and they'll say, "Well, you know, the next thing you know, then I uh, was working on this report, right?" So the next thing, there's a big time gap in there. The next thing you know, and yeah. so you want to start to get those gaps filled in and that's when you'll see the other things come out with the body language with the word patterning 
uh, shifting. And, and then you can just say, look, I know you're on your couch all afternoon. This isn't done. Okay. I need you to understand that we need you. And if, if you don't like want to, that's okay. We, we can work out a different arrangement, which means yeah, right. not working here. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think being not mincing words when we don't have the time with people that we usually would, like we can't just walk by their cube, right. Or walk by their right. office. We have a very fine. Or see their screen time. or mm-hmm. see their screen. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, because I mean, a lot of times if they're in the office, I by walking by and I see they've got Facebook up every time I walk by and they're not in social media in terms of like, you know, doing yeah, our accounts. Your- I'm kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, exactly. And and there's there's some companies that have open social media policy and there's others that say, you know what? No, none of that. And so yeah. whatever y'all have agreed to is what y'all need to stick to for uh, remote work versus uh, at home. It should be the, the same. So yeah. um, not being afraid to ask pointed questions and let people know what your expectations are, I think is super important. I think that's a smart one. What, so what are some strategies for making your team a fraud protection asset? Well, and this is something that it's, it's at the forefront now. I think it's been uh, important for a long time, but people are talking about it now because we have less eyes on people. And yeah. uh, the key is communication and um, setting expectations and making sure that people know that they are going to have a job, right? So uh, to, to the best of your ability, let them know what you're doing. You can't tell them everything with confidential information, but what that does is create loyalty. It creates people that are going to fight for you instead of take advantage of you. And that's, that's the biggest key that you can have in, um, in creating a workforce that's a team environment, one that's focused on security and building the bottom line. Because when everybody wins, then everybody wins. But if you have one person in there who's going the wrong direction, then you get that $20 million loss. Or it could be it could be more. I've heard a lot more than that in, in a lot oh, of my yeah. research. Yeah. Well, you watch what's been going on with these masks and everything else uh, during the COVID piece. You know, the federal government being swindled out of close to billions of, well, billions oh, of yeah. dollars. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You, you've been working on big TV cases, or at least uh, you've been talking on TV about yeah. some of the big cases like Deflategate, Stormy Daniels, and Trump, and oh, yeah. Lance Armstrong, oh, yeah. the Houston Astros cheating scandals. I can't oh, believe that. So what did you notice with all these? Well, they all run very similarly in that, when people get asked the pointed questions, Lance Armstrong, did you do it uh, with the Houston Astros? Because uh, th- that was, did they have a buzzer? Did the guy have a buzzer on his shirt? And he's and he's running down the uh, third base line to home, and he they won't he won't let him grab his shirt. And then he went in and changed really quick. Um, they all have for one red flags like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for two, they all have people who are answering questions that weren't asked. Yeah. It's very, uh, if, if I said, Hey, um, why wouldn't you let them take your shirt off? Oh, well, um, it's, it's my wife, my, my, yeah. my, my wife worried about that. No, you're that, that's, that's not the question that, right. that they really asked. And that wasn't the information they were looking for. And plus it sounds ridiculous. It's a ridiculous answer and not one that even, 
like it's just su- such a slight possibility that it doesn't even make sense. So those are some of the things that, that you got to work on or, or sorry, listen for. Now, uh, with the Stormy Daniels, with with Trump, he's uh, he answers he and it's not just in that case. He has a, he has a really good habit of. Uh, answering questions that weren't asked and putting some blame in there. And so those are all to throw you off the scent and, um, and, and get ahead of you, try to create the story, right? So make sure, I think the thing we can all learn from that is to make sure that people are answering the questions that were asked and not subverting the conversation to go a different way because they're trying to avoid exactly what was going on. And so it, a lot of times when you get that, what you can do is reframe that into a yes or no question. Yeah. I like and, that. Yes or no. I, I wrote that down because I think that's a really good ask the pointed question and then get the one that was asked and then do it as a yes or no until you get the yes or no, at least you have them on record, you know, or understand, you know, which mm-hmm. I think is important. Hey, let's take a quick break and then we're going to be right back. And I want to talk about some cases that have surprised you. What are the okay. shocking ones? What are the big ones? I want to know that stuff. Okay, we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. And we're back, and we're live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Number one show, you know, a number one show on C-Suite Radio. Of course, we got some great ones, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Real Estate Rockstar, so many great shows, and we encourage you to uh, listen, not only just this one, but all the shows as you're looking for great information a great insight, um, and as you want to, you know, be part of a bigger community with the C-Suite Network. We are just so excited. Today, we've got Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting language expert. We're talking about Stormy Daniels, Trump, Lance Armstrong. What, Lance Armstrong, sorry, what a just asshole. I'm um, sorry. Yes, you know, he, uh, he threw so many people under the bus, and I actually interviewed uh, on this show one of his cohorts who was really – who was ostracized for a long time. I can't remember the young man's name. And he was so sad. He lied. He knew he lied and he lied. He covered up. And oh, Tyler Hamilton, maybe. It was Tyler Hamilton. It was, it was Tyler. What a nice gentleman. You know what? I normally don't, you know, I'm a believer in forgiving people and for once people have said, you know, I did something wrong or if they, if like people, you know, I've hired, I've hired ex cons before for in my printing businesses or my other businesses, and people say, Jeff, why would you do that? I go, they did their time. That's what we said. We said if they do their time, they do it. They, they, you know, we, you forgive them. You, you, you still watch to make sure I don't put them in charge of the cash register. Although right. one guy I did, and he was one of my, he became rose to manager in my operation. And yeah, I put him in charge of the money. He was a great guy. You know, anyway. Oh yeah. Well, I, um, Yes, that can happen. And I I grew up with Lance uh, racing down in Dallas, Richardson Bike. Oh, that's right. You were a racer. You were a yeah. bike rider. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. yeah. And we, uh, we were on the national team at the same time. I I won a national championship at, at a CU here with Tyler Hamilton. So, um, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And what we see, Ty, okay, so no one wanted to believe Lance because he was a jerk. Okay. And I think, I think he's, he's come, I I don't want to say back to not being a jerk, but he's, he's mellowed a bit from what I've seen. And, um, everybody wanted to undo him because he went over to France and he won their race and he wouldn't speak French and they had all the reasons in the world to want to undo him. Cycling thought they needed the story. 
And so he mm. tested positive twice and bought his way out of it. Uh, because let's face it, cycling is, it's a hard to watch on TV. It's, it's super old. It's not exciting. It's not like snowboard jumping or anything like that. Right. And so they, um, they supported that whole story of Lance and a single mom versus the world. And, um, everybody knew something was going on. It, it, it wasn't, yeah. the thing is, it wasn't just Lance. It was all, I, I didn't know how pervasive it was. So, um, that's how that really shook out. And it turns out he's a textbook liar. Like looking back with the knowledge that I have now at old videos and things like that. Like, yeah. He, he, yeah. he was clearly in, but you know, what's the thing is he has no remorse. I mean, as opposed to Tyler, yeah. Tyler, he was, I asked him, I asked him point blank. What was the thing he was the most ashamed about? In regards to that, he said, I lied to my mom and my dad. Yeah. Tyler's and, actually a really good person. And there were yeah. so many people fighting for Tyler yeah. and all of his testing that he was doing, like vanishing twin. Everyone's like, it's got to be something. It couldn't be Tyler. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we talked about culture. It is the culture of the sport over there in, in Europe. It, that's what they do yeah. to get out of the slums. It's what, like football what? over here. Yeah, same. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, there we go. What what case had the most impact on you? What 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 lying, cheating, scandal case that you've been involved? In, you just went that that was the biggest impact. I think um, I, I have two. Um, the biggest like emotional impact on me was probably the Chris Watts case that I worked on here. The uh, the gentleman who. Uh, he was right out here in Colorado, about 45 minutes from here, and he killed his whole family yeah. and um, stuffed them in oil wells or oil tanks or something like that. Like, yep. that was that was tough to see, not only because it was so close to home, but why would someone and, do that? And in his kids, in his kids oh, too. His kids, little it bitty not, girls. I mean, yeah. uh, not that I, you know, you condone the wife, but I mean, it was his kids too, two kids, I recall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that was, I, I don't like being right about things like that. Um, I, I happened to be at, at that time. You so said that, he was lying. You, you yeah. said he was lying. Yeah, he was lying. It was hard for me to see uh, because he has a beard. He had a beard at the time mm -hmm. and I could only watch it on my little bitty phone because I was, I was out of town speaking and I just had to do something real quick. And I actually, I was in Kansas City. I had to drive to the TV station there to do a remote for the Denver channel here. Um, and fortunately they had a big screen so I could see it. And then it became a lot more clear. So I, I didn't know what I was going to say, really getting in the car to go down there. Um, so that one, that one was tough. Um, anything that has to do with, um, sexual abuse is hard on me, like emotionally. Yeah. Um, and I I've worked on a case, uh, where there was a, a guy, he's sitting in jail right now, um, mm. not far from here. And he, it was a rape case. And I believe that the woman lied about it because she got a big payment from, well, I can't say where, but a big public space here in, in Denver. Uh, I believe it was consensual. I believe she lied about it. And th that kind of stuff's hard on me too. Oh, oh, and, we have a lot of sexual assault kind of things coming in the news with politics right now. Um, with the elections coming up, they're going to try to undo each other however yeah, they can. Yeah, it's going to be more. Um, f only 4% of women lie in a sexual assault case. So uh, there's a lot of shame around it. There's a lot of just embarrassment. And um, well, so speaking, we, speaking, we can, speaking, yeah. of, speaking about campaigns, we got 15 seconds. Is, is Biden lying? Yes. Uh, I like a yes, no question. That was yeah, it. I think he is. Yeah, I think, I think, he is. I think we all believe, um, those of us have been around for a long time. Yep. He ain't telling the truth.
Yeah. He ain't telling the yeah. truth. That's what we learned right here. Fraud busting language expert, Tracy Brown, right here talking. We're going to have you back because we got to talk a lot more about how businesses are getting cheated and uh, what you got to do. Tracy, it's been a pleasure. I, well, I thank just you enjoyed. for having me. I, I love being on your show as well. Cause that was a lot of fun. We got to talk about it, uh, fun. It, it was good because we were educating people on how to stop fraud, how to stop these, uh, gravy sucking pigs out there that are, you know, preying on men and women uh, for love. Anyway, we got to have more of this. We're going to be back. And thank you so much for joining me right here on All Business with uh, Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you. And at the end of this show, I like to talk about, hey, what did I learn? Well, I tell you, here's what I got. Ask the pointed questions. And then when they don't answer it, make sure that they answer the question that I ask and try to put it in a yes or no. Okay. Look for those red flags when it comes to trying to tell who's lying, who's cheating you. If it doesn't seem real, it's not. But I tell you what's real. All the advice, all the insights that we get right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Please tell your friends and thanks so much for being a part of this experience right here on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.